Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm stood in the centre of sunny Granada. It's about nine hours before the game and it's really nice to see shops open and people going about their everyday lives in this city of 300,000 people. It's a beautiful city. It's one of the most famous cities in Spain. It's the one which comes recommended by the Rough Guiders. If you visit one place in Spain, visit Granada. That's mainly because of the Alhambra Palace. And there's going to be no fans at the match, which is really sad. But I'm in the centre of the city and I've just seen a young man wearing a Granada shirt. And he's agreed to talk to us in in English. What's your name? Antonio David. And... What does it mean to you when your team was uh, drawn with Manchester United? It's very beautiful and very important because Manchester United is the best uh, team of England. It's a very cool experience. And is it sad for you that you cannot go to the stadium? Um, It's really sad. Uh, We don't to the stadium, but we watch on TV. How good is this Granada team? Last season you finished seventh in the league. This is the best Granada team ever. Yes, it's the best Granada ever. In the in the 1916, had a very good Granada, but this is the best Granada of history. Playing with the best teams of Europe is a is a dream. This is a dream. Do you think you can beat Manchester United? Uh, can you repeat me, please? Is it possible Granada win against Manchester United? It's difficult, but not impossible. <laughs> it's very difficult, but not impossible. Uh, we. Um, can um, enjoy the game. It's the most important. Can you tell us something about your city, Granada, for the people listening to this who, who do not know about the city? Uh, Granada is a very beautiful city in the south of Spain. Uh, all people has welcome in this city. For when people like Lorca and places we like Alhambra or Cathedral. Very recommended. Who is the main rival of Granada normally? Is it Betis, Sevilla or Malaga? Betis. Betis? Betis. So this is the main rival? Ah, no, the main rival. Um, The main rival, Elche. Elche? Elche, Elche. Why Elche? Because in in 2011, uh, the Granada and Elche uh, playing for uh, ascent to first division and the Granada wins and has very rivality. So it's a famous playoff game between uh, Elche, which is not close to here, maybe two, three hours away, for, four yeah. hours away from, from, from here. Elche is the team which David De Gea supports. Yeah. Finally, can you tell us a song for Granada? A song. Hay una, um, hay una canción para los aficionados. Yes. Eh, de, en 1931, un gran club de fútbol en Granada se fundó. It's a really, really beautiful song. The, the song of Granada.
Who is your favorite player? My favorite player um, is oof, very difficult. Ruiz Silva and, and Kennedy. 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 Which Manchester United players do you know? Do you know like Pogba, De Gea, Rashford, Finch, Gea, uh, Cavani? Yes, uh, for me, uh, De Gea and Pogba, the best. So. Really? Why do you like Pogba? Pogba uh, because he's very fast and he's, he's a really good player for the for the main of of game. Normally, how many people is inside the stadium in Nuevos Carmenes for a game? Like 12,000? Uh, mm, 20,000. 20. 20,000. And it's full uh, every game? or? Yes. Uh, when we can go to the stadium, uh, it's, a, it's a party. The stadium has 20... A thousand people and it's very, very impressive. How much is a price of a ticket normally when you go to the stadium? If you have like a socio or an abano? Um, can you repeat me please? ¿Cuánto cuesta el precio de los entradas? Ah, uh, 30, 13, 14. For example, the Madrid and the Barça, uh, 19. Uh, 18. But if you have a season ticket, the price is lower. Sixteen is unavano. Yes. Okay. Finally, predict the score of the game. Who will win the game? What is your prediction? Tonight. 1-1. 1-1. 1-1 or 0-0. Thank you for your time. It's about an hour and a half to the game and I, I came out the stadium because there's no food there at all and walked into the streets which are packed with Granada fans singing. It's so wonderful to hear football fans singing again with smiles on their faces and I've just left a bar on an estate behind the ground and this young man shouted me over and you're a who do you support? I support Granada well my first team is Real Madrid but well I support Granada because it's my city but I lived in in Leeds then I recognise you and well I think uh, you you write a good uh, article I follow your your podcast too and this guy from the Guardian too, Sid. Sid, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I hope uh, you you have a good night here, and everyone is welcome. Pretty sad for people from from Manchester that can come here and enjoy the city, but well, let's hope uh, next year we 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 can do it again. We can go to to UK. We can travel and and enjoy life without pandemic. I, I agree with everything that that you've said and. Um, Yes, Sid's here. Sid gave me a lift back to my hotel in, in Madrid the other night. And I think him and I will be the only journalists uh, here. As for the podcast, you're now on, on the podcast. Yeah. Tell us about Granada, the city, because I know it's popular with tourists. And I walked from my hotel in the centre yeah. four kilometres to the stadium. Yeah. And I've walked through all the residential areas. And that's very different to the city centre. But is it a great place to live? Yeah, it's a great place, place to live. Tapas are free. Uh, you, can, you can go to the ski station in, in winter, you can go to the seaside in, in one hour. In summertime, springtime is my favorite time here. A lot of people, a lot of Erasmus come here. They live in, they live in uh, a neighborhood called El Realejo. Yeah. It's a place where it's like the old school town, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how, how to say it in English. But the old, old town, and that's why it's so different. You can live, he, live there. 
and this kind of neighborhood are more more news yeah. we can say and this area we're in is what this working class area yeah it's, yeah. it's a working class area yeah that, that's the suburbs we can say and the stadium the, the original stadium was near Plaza de Toros but yeah. now it's here in the suburbs but yeah it's okay I think these people enjoy with more passion the football than, than posh people we can say yeah yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. and yeah. there's a plaza Joe Strummer in yeah, Granada yeah, yeah. Also, fantastic because because this song that they wrote about Federico García Lorca yeah and the Spanish Civil War yeah and yeah there is a Joe Strummer plaza here square yeah have you been there? I will go because I, I admired him a lot yeah and I wish I could have more time here um, I went to the Alhambra today I'd love to go up to the mountain just this idea of being able to ski yeah. so close to a city yeah. in April and I can see the passion outside the stadium here has, has the football team been a big surprise here how well they're doing yeah they were in second division two years ago yeah but now they are playing the Europe League, I think because uh, his manager, Diego Martinez, his coach, I mean, and some players that they only play for for two years here, but they are so great, like Kennedy from Chelsea, and these this guys, Darwin Matches, and well, they are doing like a team. I'm not sure the right, the right word, but they are compact, they, they believe, and this is it. And what was the reaction when the draw was made with Manchester United? Because... I've seen the front page of the, the newspaper today, Ideal. It's yeah. all about Manchester yeah. United. I mean, people here, some of these guys that we, ha- we, can- we have here, they grow up with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Man United. Yeah. Then they think the top team in UK is Man United. They don't know too much about this Liverpool from 70s or 80s. They, they saw Man United with uh, Alex Ferguson. And for, for these guys and for me, it's like uh, it's a dream, you know, for, for Granada to play against the top team in the UK. Then maybe some Liverpool fans disagree, but, you know. And you like United? Uh, my, my team in the UK is Nottingham Forest. Okay. I live in Leeds, but, uh, you know, uh, I saw a documental when I was a child about uh, these two Champions League that they, they won. And, yeah, I, I support them. Now we are not in a good position in second division, but, well, we'll try to, to improve. It's been really nice to meet you. And yeah. Before we spoke, you said your English isn't good enough. Your English is excellent. Thank you, mate. And you, you give me some confidence no, when it, I speak. It, it's true. I mean, the last time I spoke English was one, one year ago when I left the UK or one year and a half before pandemic. But now, well, I hope I can return to Leeds and, and see all these mates again. Thank you very much. Thank Can you. we finally have a prediction for the game tonight? I think 1-0. 1-0 for Granada. Kennedy is going to score. No, he's not. Yeah. So United have just gone ahead. I've got a, a Spanish commentator near me. Goal scored by Manchester United. by Rashford. So Rashford's just scored. After half an hour. Let's just try to get the um, Spanish commentator on then because he's extremely expressive <laughs> and he's above listening to him. Long, long ball through, and he just pokes it through. Control, beautiful control of his first touch, second touch, a good one. Places the ball past his goalkeeper. United are in a really good position there to go a goal ahead away from home. 
Rashford runs to the corner and he's absolutely uh, buzzing. Also, um, a gentleman ran across the pitch with no clothes on at the start of the game, uh, about 10 minutes into the game, and uh, rolled around in an expressive manner until security entered the field of play and apprehended him. And um, there is no Manscaped uh, ad in this podcast, but I suspect he, unlike Remo, he wasn't using uh, Manscaped, and I didn't realise it was so so cold either. Can you hear the players shouting? I love the uh, Spanish commentator. I've got to be quiet because I can't take the piss here because I'm just there's a, there's a few uh, journalists, uh, local journalists, but I love the enthusiasm that they, they put into their commentary. You might think it's a complete pain in the arse if you hear it all the time, but I quite like it. That was um, that was someone just yawning. <laughs> the stuff that you hear when there's uh, no fans, but before the game it was mental. Thousands of fans. And I stood behind um, the most energetic ones. Maybe you'd describe them as the most ultra-style ones. They had the flares and all that. One prick in front of me launched a coin at one of the United team buses. And I was thinking there's no need for that. But I was also thinking this is great just, just for fans to be creating this atmosphere again. It's been missed. And then I'll probably keep saying it, but just would be an amazing city for United fans to be visiting. Anyway, United are 1-0 up. I'm going to try and get Spanish commentator on. Yeah, you can hear him now. Hope you got a bit of him there. I'll be back. It's 1-0 to United at half-time, and I'm pleased to be joined by Simon Hart. Simon is an English journalist who has written some brilliant books. He's one about Italian 90. It was fantastic. And he's lived in Granada for, I would estimate, two or three years. And he's a football journalist. He does stuff for the Independent. He does stuff for UEFA. What have you made of it so far, Simon? Um, I think Granada were very wary of uh, United's pace. I spoke to Yankel Herrera on Monday. And that's something specifically he said. You know, we don't want to give them space to run into. And, you know, they've been undone by something they must have identified. And, you know... For the first 25 minutes, you know, they sat so deep, didn't they? were just Soldado, you know, occupying the centre-backs. They've responded a bit better. Well, they've, they've responded to the goal by, you know, trying to make inroads. They're not a team who score freely. You know, they're a team who is solid, stubborn, resilient, committed, well-organised. You know, I really like this team because they they're a team. And, you know, they've got kind of virtues that you don't think of as being Spanish footballing virtues. Um... You know, the, the unsung players, six, I think six of this starting team were with Diego Martinez in the second division. So, you know, they play for each other, they sweat for each other. It, this is it, to go behind at this point in the tie is obviously the very last thing they wanted. They've only come back to win one of four games in the competition so far, um, which was match day one of the group stage against PSV away. We, so, it's, it's, it's obviously difficult now to. You know, they could get a goal back. One-one would be perfect for them. You think going to Old Trafford? I mean, what they stated was they wanted to be going over there with the, the tie still alive. Um, if it ends up two-nil, then you know it's it's hard to see Granada winning by two goals in England. Can you tell us what this stadium's like on a normal batch day when there are fans? Because it was very lively before the game, and has this team lifted the city? Because 
I've known Granada be a fourth tier club. And the fourth tier in Spain is not the fourth tier in England. It's highly regionalised. There are teams in the fourth tier getting crowds of 150. And now they're playing Manchester United. I think, um, I think it has. I think Diego Martinez almost single-handedly has. They call, the local paper calls him El Shaman, the Shaman. And he's sort of this galvanising figure. They, after, um, they spent a lot of money badly when they got some Chinese investment initially. Tony Adams was in charge, they got relegated. But they identified then the need to bring in local lads, Andalusian players, to, to you know, just provide a local core, some spirit. And Diego Martinez, although he's from Vigo in the north in Galicia, you know, he, he, he started his career here, local, you know, local league. So he, he's a lightning rod, really. And I was here for the semi-final defeat against Athletic Bilbao last season. And it was incredible. They lost that game narrowly, but at the end, the whole stadium stayed behind and applauded. And it was a real union of players and fans, and it was special. And just hearing them here, I, I almost had tears in my eyes because I've not heard a football crowd for so long. And the reception was wonderful, and I found it really moving. And it just brings home what we're missing. The second half just started. Thanks for joining us maybe catch up later if you're after using a vpn i'd recommend express vpn it's the one that i use you can unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries so you might have a netflix subscription in the uk but it would allow you to watch netflix in spain or in the united states for example express vpn lets you change your online location so you can control where you want the sites to think that you are located. You open the app, you select a location, you tap one button to connect and you refresh the page to access thousands of new shows or movies. You can choose from almost a hundred different countries. It works with any, any streaming service such as Hulu, YouTube, BBC iPlayer. Why choose ExpressVPN over other VPNs? Well, you can stream in HD, no problem. There's no buffering or lag. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, laptops, media, consoles, smart TVs and more. And not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. Go to expressvpn.com forward slash united to get an extra three months off ExpressVPN for free. So that's expressvpn.com forward slash united that gets you an extra three months for free so united won the game 2-0 i'd like to say what happened for the second goal but the truth is i was working in the ground as a journalist i needed to be in position two minutes before the end looking at a camera making sure the sound was all right and then behind me i saw a penalty given so you've seen just as much as i have and i was in the stadium um the People in the ground were kicking off a little bit because Bruno was seen to have gone down um, pretty softly or there had not been much contact. And then I did my work and then I waited about. I was supposed to go into the press conference. I was struggling to get a connection, but I did manage to speak to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, I was doing an article on, on Mason Greenwood, so I spoke to him just about mason but i think it's worth putting on this podcast because i think he's uh, quite interesting how's he playing how's his game developing how's he training 
I think it's there for everyone to see. His um, general play has improved so much. His fitness, his body, as his body shape is different. He's stronger. He can uh, link play uh, better, hold it up for us. He creates more chances for others. He doesn't. He hasn't scored as many goals as last season, but that's. I'm not worried about that. It's last season he burst onto the scene and uh, he was unknown for everyone. Now he, they've seen him. They they looked at him and they they want to maybe show him inside or show him out. Uh, different defenders have try to work him out and that's a good thing with Mason he's realised that players have tried to work him out and he's been working on different ways of getting his finishes off and he's added more movement into his uh, like centre forward movements so for me um, I've been very pleased with him he's, he's matured as well in and around the place uh, a, hell of, a hell of a lot yeah, as in just the way his mannerism the way he uh, he, how do you say, conduct himself. You just see that uh, uh, he's, he's learned and he's matured. He's just, you know, first season in, within the first team group uh, with professionals, World Cup winners, with top players, of course. It's, it was a big, big thing for him last season. And I, I thought, I remember my first season at United. You just, you know, you go out there, you play, you don't think start of this season he had a lot more thinking to do and you can see when he comes in he asks ask for uh, help ask for uh, sessions to improve his game because he wants the next level how can he improve no he can he, he can improve on everything yeah. of course his fitness he still has his body is still filling out okay. um, his heading of course that's a big big thing that is uh, he can improve on because his his frame now his body is he can he can he can get the body of a centre forward definitely, and um, just but also keep carrying on doing what he's good at. His finishing is so clinical and ruthless when he, he won't stop talking. when he doesn't when he doesn't think about uh, what he's going to do. Just when he does it on instinct, there's there's not not many more better. And he did well tonight. Oh, I I thought second half, especially until he tired towards the towards the end. I thought he was probably our best player with Victor and when he runs with the ball I saw him twice in the first half and Bruno's going makes makes yeah. is that just him learning when to, to release it yeah I, I don't want him to not play on instinct because that's what's made him is that he still has to make the right decisions um, what he thinks is the right decision and then he'll learn oh that worked that didn't work he's, he's 19 he'll he'll definitely some sometimes still may like go for a finish when he should have passed or passed when he should have finished but that's normal for a 19 year old he'll he'll learn because uh, he wants to learn it's the day after the game and granada's still absolutely beautiful and i'm just meeting a couple of people before i get get on a train head north about a 1200 kilometer journey but the, the trains in spain are superb and i've just met james for uh, a coffee James is from Dublin originally and he got in touch when United drew Granada to say he was living in the city and would we be interested in any content. So he's written the piece on Granada in, in the latest issue of United We Stand, which is now out. You can download it or you can buy it in the shops or whatever. Cheers for joining us, James. What's your story? Why did you move to Granada quite recently? Well, I felt like I had to escape Ireland, to be honest. The 
The situation in Ireland right now is, is dreadful. Uh, I don't want to sound like some mercenary or, you know, uh, that I'm committing some form of treason or whatever by wanting to live my life as opposed to being in an indefinite lockdown. Um, so I narrowed down a, a list of places that I would like to live. Granada made sense. It ticked all the boxes. The weather is beautiful. The city is small enough to navigate by foot. Uh, it's the perfect place to work remotely. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a really, really wonderful place to live. And Spanish is a language that I've always wanted to learn. And one day, I plan on learning it. Get out to Espanol ahora. Oh, not good at all. <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't study for this exam. I will learn it one day. That's a promise. I will learn it one day. I would imagine the rents are expensive in Dublin, and I was really struck by how cheap they are here in this wonderful city, even by Spanish standards. It's really provincial prices. Agreed, yeah. Uh, I was paying 630 euro for a bedroom in a, in a five-bedroom house in Dublin with my, my friends, and it was a nice enough bedroom. I was pretty proud of the bedroom. But then I came here and I got a whole apartment uh, for myself for 630 euro, and I felt like, you know... Uh, the bee's knees. My neighbour said to me when he found out that I was paying 600, he, he gave like a kind of groaning noise, like an ooh, as in you got ripped off. <laughs> and I was like, happily got ripped off for now. In time, maybe I will uh, scale down and, you know, get wiser to the prices around uh, the local area. So from your presidential suite overlooking the Alhambra, you've settled into life here. You're, you've spoke to lots of Granada fans. You did some research for the article. How big a deal of it was it for United to come to this city and what has been the post-match reaction to the game? It was a, a massive deal and I was saddened for the fans that they couldn't attend what is in effect the biggest moment in the club's history. As for the post-match reaction, I'm not entirely sure. I was, I was sitting in an Irish bar watching the match and I was watching fans flood out as the, uh, as the, the, the match went on. So uh, they, were, they were sad. That's not the reaction of a, a happy fan base, I suppose, you know. But I, I think it was also because the pubs here closed before the match was going to end, so they were figuring out where to watch the second half and everything. I walked to the stadium for like four kilometres, and I just thought, there's been so many restrictions that I've not always been able to do that this year. And I walked past bars at five, six o'clock, which were packed in the city centre. And I was deeply envious because there are less restrictions here than in other parts of Spain. It just, some of the bars were just full of the beautiful people. You had other bars full of drunks. You had other bars full of students. I just thought, this is some city, this. And it's normal life here, isn't it? In recent months, I've been in uh, Seville, Madrid, and Barcelona, and none of them have got uh, the openness that, that we're having here at the moment. You can't sit outside and have a beer until half ten like you can here no it's it's a it's a really wonderful thing that i don't want to take for granted because it's very easy to get used to something so good in a way um but yeah people are just enjoying themselves and it feels good to get back to some sort of normality i hope that we can get back to normality in in like the places that we're from and the places uh, that we're living around spain in your case uh yeah, it, it feels good, although the case numbers are rising and everything. I, I would never encourage any, uh, you know, irresponsible behaviour by any means, but I do feel that there are compromises that can be made in places where the lockdown is so strict. Have you met any United fans here? Not really, no. I better, I better touch you, put you in touch with some then, because several have contacted me. 
Okay, good. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'd, I'd love to uh, yeah, sit down and, and have a, a discussion about what I'm, what I'm watching as opposed to, you know, anything else. <laughs> One lad got in touch with me, um, Paddy from Dundalk originally, and he's been out here for a long time. And I met him the other night. I'm really glad I did. It was really nice to meet him and uh, to hear, hear what his story was and... Uh, he's, he's been a, a big United fan so I'll, I'll put you in touch with him um, and would you plan to go to Granada games in, in when things return to normal yeah I would like that I'm, I may not be here for too much longer in the immediate future as I plan on kind of like hopping around when the, when the summer comes and the, uh, the weather gets too intense and for those of you who can't see me right now I'm, I'm extremely fair-skinned, shall we say, and susceptible to being born. Uh, I'm a real target for the bullying sun. So, uh, yeah, I, I may go somewhere a little bit cooler. What allows you, work-wise, to just relocate from Dublin to Andalusia? I work for an Indian sports company called Sports Kida. I'm the content manager for the MMA section. Uh, so I work nights in Western time, uh, or GMT plus one plus two. Uh, so yeah, I can pick up my laptop and provided I can be there for the shift, I can, I can do, do whatever, I can work in the sea if I want. What did you make of the game? Um, I thought it was fine, uh, not, not overly thrilling. I was watching it obviously on television and uh, the broadcast that I was watching, it very nearly missed the opening goal. Yeah, it, it showed three replays of Granada, I think, hitting the side net and and then when it cut back to the regular action, uh, yeah, Rashford is putting the ball in the back of the net. So that was unfortunate. I wanted to say to you as well, you know the streaker? Did you see the streaker? Yeah. Do you know who he is? I've learned that he's quite well known locally as a like a naturist and he's often seen walking around the city with no clothes on and that's all I know. That's, that's all you need to know, I suppose. The uh, cathedral that we're quite close to, there's a viral video online of him stuck up like on a, on a ledge and the fire brigade had to come and get him and uh, you know return him to safety they have to let him onto their little platform naked and uh, yeah get him down he's a character to put in modelling I like characters thanks for joining us 2021 is looking up which means there should be plenty of new opportunities for you to grow your business whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is easy and their new features can help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And now you can do this all from your mobile device, no matter where in the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash united. Again, that's linkedin.com slash united to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
I'm back outside Granada train station. And if you look one way from just close to the station, you can see right across the city and up, up to the Sierra Nevada. So I'll be sad to leave this place, but I've just met one other person for a, a coffee. It's Simon, who we spoke to at half time last night, Simon Hart. And we're having weird conversations now about Granada soccer night. Shall we take a trip, Elton Wellsby, etc., etc.? Do you know definitively why Granada TV is called Granada TV? Because all I understood was that the people who founded it liked Granada as their favourite holiday destination. And can you confirm rumours that there is a statue of Lucy Meacock in this city? Now, I'm sorry to say the Lu- Lucy Meacock thing isn't true. I mean, if you want me to sort of start a petition online, I will do. I don't know how far that will get, but definitely the, the Granada thing you've said about the, uh, the Beaton brothers who founded Granada Limited, that they chose it because it was, it was a favoured sort of holiday spot for them. And something else I discovered, because I've been feeding some of this stuff to the local paper here, the EDL. So I think it's a brilliant story, you know, Granada go to Granada land. Whether they use that as their headline, I don't know, I've told them. But um, I, I was doing some research and I found out that um, when, when the, the Beaton brothers were looking to set up an ITV franchise, they chose the Northwest because they looked at a, a regional sort of or a weather map of, of Britain and saw that the, the Northwest was the place with the most rainfall and therefore came to the conclusion everyone would be stuck indoors more. Hence, you know, setting up the TV franchise there. And hopefully this will all end up in the local paper here next week. We both uh, helped the local paper this week. I was quite impressed by the standard of journalism and I struggled to buy a copy of it, which is worrying. I had to walk around the city to buy one. That's probably because of Covid times. I had the same problem in Sevilla. But I was quite refreshed by the journalists ringing up and asking detailed questions and the spread they gave about Manchester United visiting was it was way beyond the normal cliches. It was. I mean, they've they've made a big effort, really. I think in in every round of this this sort of European adventure, they, you know, that I, I was reading the paper this morning. I think there's eight or nine pages about the game. Um, they before, I think on the Monday this week they did a big thing on on the United Brighton match. Um, the the main sort of football writer here, Rafael Lamelas, he'd actually I guess he'd watched the game, and he, and he wrote a big piece on it. So. Of course, Man United coming to town isn't going to happen often. Perhaps this is the only time, so they are going to make a big thing of it. But no, they're serious-minded. They have a good relationship with the club. I know that um, Lamelas, um, the, the sort of the main man here, he you know, he gets on very well with Diego Martinez. So there's a, there's good relationships there, and it means they they know what's happening and they re- they report it very well. What has been the reaction? Post-match, you've been reading the local papers. I've bought them. I've not had time to, to read them yet. I'm going to do that on my uh, seven-hour train journey. I think there's a feeling that they they played according to their game plan. I spoke to Jesus Vallejo, the defender, after the game, and he said, you know, it was the game we planned for. It was the game we wanted. We didn't want to give United a lot of space. Of course, you know, the, the Rashford goal was was the one moment where. You know, that, that plan didn't, you know, it, it wasn't bulletproof, but... Um, it was a moment of genius. Yes, it was. Which you're going to get from yeah. technically su- superior yeah. players. Um, I'm not saying Granada don't yeah. have them, they probably have them on the wings, yeah. and they've got a couple of good playmakers mm. as well, but they've not got a world-class player like... They, they don't, I mean, they're all about... They're never going to play... They don't have the players to, you know, to play expansive, free-flowing football, so they, 
They kept it tight. They, they worked hard, which they always do. And they just needed the moment, the little moments to go their way, the little details. And, you know, they, they acknowledged that and said, you know, we needed, we needed it to be our night. And, and it wasn't their night. I mean, I think at 1-0, if it had finished 1-0, they'd have probably had a little bit of hope. And it was a real killer for them, that penalty, which, for their point of view, was a very harsh penalty. And I, I mean, it was very interesting being down at the flash, and somebody was giving Fernandez dogs abuse, sort of screaming at him. I saw this, but I was at the, the flash for people who are not familiar with the term is where the interviews are done straight after the game by the pitch, and I could see that Bruno was not happy, and but I was at the back of the third tier. Now they're small tiers, so it's not like I'm at the back of the third tier at Old Trafford, but I couldn't see it like you did. But I could see Bruno wasn't happy. Yes, yeah, somebody who, I mean, there's substitutes sort of sat there watching. There's also, you know, the, the non-playing squad members. And there's also people, I guess, who may either have a relationship with the player or, you know, a, a, know the club or a club staff. And somebody was, for about two minutes, was yelling at, at Fernandez, And um, I guess he reached, came to a head at the final whistle when he, he stopped on the way into the tunnel and sort of they had an exchange of words. Um... Yeah, I could see that he was angry and he was annoyed. And you've been very diplomatic saying it was an exchange of words. Uh, I know some Portuguese and I know that he, Bruno wasn't extremely happy with what had gone on there, but it is a, a, a top result. Who did Granada now play the weekend? Uh, you put me on the bloody spot here. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know. I've been, I've been I'm knackered right now. It's been a busy week. All right, so when you're a journalist and Man United come into town, you must be very busy. Are you, because you're working with UEFA, you told me that you got to bed at three o'clock last night. Is it a buzz? Last night was a buzz. Um, perhaps, uh, I mean, I was, I was at Seville the night before for the, for the Chelsea game and I ended up driving. The, the UEFA have an observer at every game and Cosmin Contra, who used to, he played for Alaves against Liverpool. Yeah, well, Cosmin was UEFA's observer and I drove him back to her. I said, look, you're not in a footballer's car here. And it might not go as quickly as you used to, but I drove him back here because he was doing the Granada game as well. Um, so that was interesting, just sort of having three hours with somebody like that and chatting about being a manager and the difficulties. But, and I spoke to Herrera on Monday, so it's been a busy week, really. Um, so it's nice to stop and have a coffee with you. I could take this podcast on a mental tangent now, and I'm not going to do it, not for more than 30 seconds, but that Alaves story when they got to the final in 2001 is brilliant. So I did a big piece on it a few years ago, spoke to Jordi Cruyff, spoke to Manet, and spoke to Cosmin Contra because I have a Romanian friend who put me in touch with him. So in my phone, I've got Cosmin Contra, and... I don't know why, because his name doesn't begin with A, but I've, I've wrong-dialed him a few times. And he's thinking, what the fuck's going, going on here? Who's ringing me from England? But he became a manager. And he was a, he was a good player. They had a good team. They used to go on the piss every Thursday night in Victoria. And their manager, Mane, got to hear about it. They'd go drinking with the basketball team who were one of the best in Spain, and basketball's big in Spain. And Mane... Got his players together one Friday morning. They were bleary-eyed. They'd been out until four in the morning. And he said, this isn't professional. I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't like what I'm seeing. But I'm not going to stop you because you're winning every week. And Jordi Cruyff told me that that team spirit got them to the final and very nearly won the final. One of the great finals, 5-4 in Dortmund against Liverpool. For a team like Alaves, who had 8,000... 
fans at the time was uh, brilliant. So yeah, say hello to me, mate Cosmin. <laughs> Next time you see. Actually, he spent half his journey complaining about this man who was calling him. <laughs> I've no, I've never actually met him. It's just been a just mental phone calls with him. Looking at the wider picture of La Liga and the Premier League, do you sense it's a diminishing force here now, and the Premier League is becoming? Stronger, or is that a short-term view? Because I don't think Barca are where they were. People were saying that Liverpool were favourites against Real Madrid, and I, I just thought this is still Real Madrid, and they proved that in the first half because they battered Liverpool. But I think there are also people quite quick to write off Spanish football. Spanish football still produces world-class fa- players. Still got more coaches than Britain, despite having a smaller population. It's got better facilities. The weather obviously helps as well. And the technical football, they're still producing world-class technical players. Yeah, I was at the uh, the under-21s in Budapest last week and well, Spain were playing in, you know, in Slovenia in the other half of the draw. But, you know, as you say, Spain's under-21s and their youth teams always do very well and those tournaments always play eye-pleasing. Uh, or fo- Do you say eye-pleasing? You don't, but football, football is pleasing on the eye. Um, and they... Um, yeah, it's interesting what you say because Villarreal won last night. Yeah, and you know Villarreal don't have the budget of half the Premier League. Probably no. three quarters. Yeah, they've got maybe the sixth budget, biggest budget in Spain, but they would lose their goalkeeping coach to Swansea City quite easily. Um, they do keep doing well in these competitions, and they take them seriously, um, and they respect them. But I, I guess what your your point about this sense that it's diminished I, I, my feeling is that this is why certain clubs are pushing for not either a European Super League or a Champions League that's more or less a closed shop not quite but getting there because they, they look at the Premier League and see the power and the money and they, they, they're, they're scared of it I've got 16 minutes until I get a train so I'm going to thank you for your time you think there's any hope for Granada now? No, not really. Soldado said something really nice last night, which was, let's just go there and enjoy it. You know, he said, personally, I didn't expect this again in my career. And, you know, I'm going to Old Trafford. If they score the first goal, you know, set piece or uh, the flash of inspiration, which wasn't there last night, who knows? Because you know better than me, United's home form can be iffy. But I just think, you know, two goals. The, The front page of the paper actually today says impossible is nothing. So I'll leave the final word to them. Thank you.